Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Have you guys ever hoped for something that didn't work out? I think we've all, I think we've all been there before. I remember back in high school, um, I had hoped to be able to play uh, basketball at the next level, and um, injury after injury after injury began to, to rob me of that hope, and, and it felt like for me in that season, it felt like my whole life was falling apart. It felt like somebody was just pulling away everything that I valued, everything that, that I loved in life, and just everything around me about life just seemed to it seemed to collapse. And uh, I would assume that in a room like this that you've probably had some of those moments in your own life. I think one of the things that all of us have in common is that we, we have some hopes, we have some dreams that don't quite work out the way that we hoped that they would. I think oftentimes our life is kind of like a game of Jenga. I don't know if you've played a game of Jenga, but the goal is, is to be able to, to pull out some blocks and uh, whoever pulls the last one out that causes it to collapse loses. And um, if you're anything like me, your life has kind of felt that way from time to time. That we tend to have the tendency to, to build our life around all of these hopes and dreams to build our life around a boyfriend or a girlfriend, to build our life around uh, a marriage, to build our life you know, around success or a job, to build our life around a political leader or a political party. Like, like we just have this tendency to, to build our life around stuff. And what ultimately happens over time is that that things began to get taken away from us, right? Like maybe in life, we, we go through a, a difficult season where our kids get taken away. Maybe you're, you went through a pregnancy and you lost, lost the baby, or maybe you had a child that was, that was older that lost their life, or maybe, maybe your kids are still alive and they've just completely lost their mind, right? Like sometimes, sometimes... Sometimes that happens. Sometimes we build our life around our marriage. Like we grow up as teenagers and we look forward to this day when we can have uh, a marriage that's kind of like a fairy tale. And then what ends up happening is, is life happens, right? And, um, and through the years, things begin to happen within that relationship and the relationship begins to deteriorate and, and, and fracture. And, and some of us, we, we kind of, we have these hopes uh, for a career and we go to school and we, we rack up student debt and we do all this because we believe that, that if we could just have the, the career, the thing that we hope for in our life, that the rest of our life will look great. And and so what happens is, is we, we build our life around all of, all of these things. And then, and then from the outside, what happens is people look at us and, and they envy us because we've got health or they envy us because we have money. And, 
and that and the and the world kind of looks on the outside and as long as as our hopes are continuing to move in the way that, that we hope that they would and people continue to, to talk about how good our life is, we're okay. But then at some point along the journey of life, things get taken away that began to cause the rest of our life to get unstable. And the more of these things in our life that get taken away that cause the instability in our lives, the more our life collapses. And then we end up spending the rest of our life trying to pick up the pieces to rebuild what was once there that no longer is. And guys, today I want to take some time and I want us to look at 1 Thessalonians, and I want us to talk a little bit about what do we do? What do we do in life and how do we navigate life when it feels like everything around us and all of our hopes and dreams that we've built up come falling and shattering down? What do we do and how can we experience the pain? Because what did Jesus say? He said that we're going to have tribulation, we're gonna go through difficulty. That's probably the, the promise that all of us hate that God gives is that we're gonna have this happen in our life. But I think the question is that we've gotta to ponder today is how can we experience the pain? How can we experience the loss? How can we experience the disappointment when everything collapses and not lose our sanity, right? So let's take a look at that today. Hey, welcome to week four of a uh, series that we've entitled The Space Between. And this series has been a collection of talks that um, are coming out of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. And uh, we're really learning how to thrive in the space between our current reality and the end of times. And so if you got your Bible today, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll get there in, a, in just a second. Um, 1 Thess Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, today I want to talk to you from uh, this title, Keep Your Eyes on the Prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hey, turn to two people. Tell them, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. I think, um, I think one of the most important questions that you and I can ask in life is, what are you really hoping for? What are you really hoping for? And the reason why I think that's one of the most important questions we can ask is because the answer to that question will determine the kind of life that you and I are going to experience. And what I love about God is that um, he does everything that he can to set us up for success, not failure. And instead of, of being vague and leaving it up to us to, to kind of try to guess and figure out like, like what, is, what do we need to hope for in our life, what he does is he puts example after example after example into scripture to help us better understand. And one of those examples we find here in Thessalonians. And so if uh, today's your first time with us in this series, we've been looking at what the Apostle Paul has written to 
uh, this young church that's about a year old that is doing a lot of things uh, great, but as any one-year-old, if you got any one-year-olds in the, in the room, um, there can also be some complications along the way. And so um, for these guys in uh, chapter four, what we're seeing is, um, is they're worried. They're worried about their loved ones who have passed away and what the future holds for them. And then they're confused, like they've got this theological block that is, is, is kind of wrestling with their foundation of their faith, this theological block about the second coming of Christ. And so Paul writes this in, in uh, chapter four, starting in verse 13. He says, and now dear brothers, and sisters, and, and he's saying it now, and if you've been with us on this journey, the last couple weeks we've been looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and, and so basically he's putting a tie on the last two topics that we've talked about. The first one, Pastor Mike talked a little bit about what it means for us to, to be set apart in our life as followers of Christ. And then last week we looked at what Paul was, was talking about um, in a few verses before this, about the real challenge to love more, that he was looking to this church in T-Town and saying, listen, you are a church that's known for your love, but I'm challenging you to love others even more. And so Paul then puts a bow on it. He says, now, now dear brothers and sisters, here's what we want you to know. He says, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. And why, do, why does he want them to know that? He, he wants them to know that. We can see in the second part of the verse, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. That in other words, you're not going to grieve like people who have nothing in their life to look forward to. You see, Paul's, Paul's in essence saying, listen guys, all of us are gonna experience pain and trauma in our life. We're all gonna walk through deep emotional pain, but we don't experience, telling this church, we don't experience pain the same way as the people do who have no hope, who have nothing that they're really looking forward to. And I find what's interesting in this verse is that that Paul kind of lays out that there's, that there's two groups of people, right? There's a group of people that have hope and there's a group of people that don't have hope. And I think this verse kind of flies in the face of a, a popular belief that we see that's kind of happening right now that's called universalism. And what universalism says is that because of God's love, because of his grace and his mercy, that nobody goes to hell that eventually at the end of the day, everybody goes to heaven because God is such a loving and gracious God. And what we see here is Paul is in essence saying, I don't think so. <laughs> He's like, I don't think so. There's, there's two groups of people. There's the kind of people that have a hope and there's the kind of people that don't have a hope. And he, he further unpacks this idea in 2 Thessalonians chapter one, verse seven through nine, he says, and God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted. In other words, that word um, rest also means relief. And so this relief for those of you that have some blocks that are being taken away, 
that has some things that you're walking through in your life when when blocks get uh, pulled away and your life begins to get a little bit unsettled. He said, I've got some relief for you. And he says that relief is gonna come when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. Now he's talking about here, beginning to talk about the events of the second coming. And he says, he will come with his mighty angels. And in verse eight, it says, in flaming fire, bringing judgment. Now notice, notice here what he says here, that he's bringing judgment to two groups of people. He's bringing judgment to those who don't know God, okay? Those are the unbelievers, people that don't know God. But notice this, there's a second group. He says, and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. I want you to notice those two groups, unbelievers and in essence, disobedient believers. Let me explain it this way. So a study was done a couple years ago and um, here's what they did. They went all the way back to the early 2000s And it's been over years that they've been um, gathering this information. And here's what they discovered in America is that over the last 20 years that we have gone from 45% um, practicing Christians, all right? There's an unpracticing, which is somebody who says that they believe in a God, but their life has no fruit in it whatsoever, right? No Christian fruit. Like we got a society full of that. Yes, I believe in God, but I'm gonna live my life my own way and do my own thing, right? And this study showed that over the last 20 years, we've gone from 45% practicing Christians to 19%. That we've lost 26% in our society of people who say, I don't just believe in God, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, reorient my life because of that belief. And so what what Paul is getting at here is he's saying, listen, there's, there's gonna be some people that say that they believe in God and he tells what's gonna happen in verse nine, that they are gonna be punished with eternal destruction forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. Now you look at scripture, you go to John 15, um, talking about um, the vine and the branches, right? And in John 15, Jesus begins to unpack about the ones that are not connected to the vine, that are, are not producing fruit. He, he unpacks that. You look back at what Jesus said about demons. What did he say about demons? That even demons, what? They believe. That even demons believe. Like there's no real separation, there's no real like um, classification of people that just say that they believe in a God, that Jesus is all about followers of Christ, that people that will receive this this, um, belief that Jesus died on a cross for my sins. But, and, and rose again, but not only just for that, for belief's sake, but I'm gonna reorient my life around that belief. And so Paul is unpacking that, you know, with the Thessalonians, trying to help them understand the importance of having their eyes 
on the right things. And here's what happens. He goes back to, we go back to uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, and he starts to lay out um, what their hope needs to be in. He says in verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, that we also believe that when Jesus returns, that God will bring back with him the believers who have died. That we tell you this directly from the Lord, like it's coming straight from Jesus, that we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Now watch this in verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Anybody ready for that? That the Lord himself will come down from heaven. And I want you to notice that, it has, that there's three unique sounds that happen here. That there is um, the commanding shout of Jesus with the voice of the archangel and the third one, the trumpet call of God. Now, something that's interesting with these three unique sounds to me that, um, that I believe is that when Jesus comes with the commanding shout, that it's like, La it's like what happened with Lazarus, right? When he comes before Lazarus' dead body and he commands Lazarus, come forth. Right? It's a commanding shout that brings what is dead back to life. Okay? And in that time when Jesus returns, that he's going to come with that same commanding voice and he's going to speak to our loved ones, to everybody who has, has already died and is in the ground, and he's going to command to them to come forth. And then we see the voice of the archangel and in Daniel chapter 12, I don't have time to go through all of that stuff, but, but because of Daniel 12, I believe this is going to be Michael, the archangel. And, and if you know anything about Michael, he was an advocate for Israel. And then we've got the unique sound of the trumpet of God. And a trumpet in those days announced the arrival of somebody important, <laughs> And the trumpet call of God can be interpreted one of two ways, all right? It can be interpreted as the trumpet call of somebody important that he's back, right? That God is back and he's coming back. Or check this out. It could be interpreted this way, that the trumpet call of God is not a declaration that God is back, but it's an invitation, it's an invitation to his beloved, his children, an invitation of how he looks at us and an invitation to come and to be with him forever. I don't know about you, either way, I'm cool. Either way, if God's blasting the trumpet because he's the person of, uh, of importance, I'm cool with that. Or if he's blasting the trumpet because it's an invitation for me to come and spend the rest of eternity with him, I'm cool with that. Either way, we're good. And so Paul continues to say, first, the believers who have died, they're going to rise from the graves. That's the commanding voice of Jesus. And then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up. The trumpet call will be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
And then I love this part. Paul reveals what it is that all of us need to be looking for. Like, yes, we're looking forward to kids that behave and live a good life. And yes, we're looking forward to a career and a marriage. And we're looking forward to all that stuff. But what we really need to be looking for in life is that we will be with the Lord forever. A friend, one day that Jesus is coming back and when he does, there's gonna be no more pain, no more loss, no more disappointment in our life. And friend, when we place our hope in that, not our hope in all of these things that are unstable in our life and temporary, but when we place our hope in the fact that Jesus is coming back and that we're gonna spend the rest of eternity with him. There's just something about that kind of hope that motivates us to knock the dust off and to get back up and to keep living life because what we're facing right now, the collapse and the chaos, that all of that is temporary. But one day we will spend the rest of eternity with God the Father and that is the true hope that we have. The true hope. And so friend, here's... Here's the million dollar question that all of us need to be asking. The question is this, how do I remain hopeful despite the chaos? How do I remain hopeful despite all the collapse and the chaos that's in my life? Friend, the answer is simple. <laughs> It's simple, but it's not easy. The answer is this, that we've got to keep our eyes on God. We've got to keep our eyes on God. What do we tend to do in our life? And I'm just as guilty as anybody else, but we tend to keep our eyes on all of this stuff, all of the hopes that have been shattered in our life and what Paul's trying to help this young church understand is that this stuff's gonna happen in life and it hurts and it cuts to the deepest part of our soul. But at the end of the day, if we build all of our hopes of a happy life and a fulfilled life around temporary things that are guaranteed to fall apart at some point, then we will live a life with no hope. But if we will build our lives on the, the firm foundation of who Jesus is, that no matter what gets taken away in life, that if the marriage doesn't work out, or the boyfriend breaks up with us, or the girlfriend breaks up with us, or the career that we had in mind doesn't pan out, or, or the car, our dream car gets totaled in an accident, like whatever it is, that if we will build our hope on the only thing that is stable enough to sustain the rest of our life, that no matter what gets taken away, our hope never changes. Romans 15, 13 tells us this, that Paul says that I pray that God, now notice this, the source of what? 
Who's the source of hope? God. Not our kids. Not whether or not they make it to college on a full scholarship, right? Our source of hope isn't our career. It's not our car. It's not our marriage. It's not our relationships. The source of our hope is in God. And friend, you have to understand that Satan knows that. And that's why he works overtime to get us to focus on all of this other stuff in our life. And listen, I'm not trying to minimize what we walk through. I'm not trying to minimize the pain. I'm not trying to minimize the divorce, but I am trying to maximize the savior. See, Satan knows that if he can keep us distracted, that he can keep us defeated. And so he works overtime to get us focusing on all the pain and all the the instability in our life. But if we will keep our eyes on God, Paul says this in verse 13, that he will fill us completely. This word completely in the original language is where we get our word plethora. Like he's gonna give us a plethora of joy and peace in our life. Why? Because we trust him. Friend, I don't know if you know this, but hope is, a, is an outcome of trust. Like you can't have hope in God if you don't trust in God. And that's why so oftentimes our life gets totally turned upside down when things in our life get taken away is because we've built our trust in these things, not in God. And when we do that, we, our hope becomes shattered when they fall apart in our life. And Paul says, if you'll keep your eyes on God, not only is he gonna give you a plethora in the midst of chaos, not only is he gonna give you a plethora of joy and peace, but then you are gonna overflow not with a hope that's kind of wishy-washy, that, that, that I love God and I'm cool with God, but then all of a sudden a block gets taken away and now I'm not, like, not that. He's saying that if we will put our hope in God, that we will overflow with a confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, I'm almost done, but there's a reason why This is important to the kind of life that you and I experience, and I want to show you. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, the writer writes this, that this this hope, this kind of hope, the kind of hope that is strong and trustworthy, look what he says, that it is an anchor for our souls. That the kind of hope that builds our foundation on God, not stuff, that it becomes an anchor for our souls. And what are anchors used for? They're, they're used to, to keep a boat from drifting off course and to give it stability in a storm. And so oftentimes in our life, Things are happening and things are being taken away and and, and what Jesus has promised about that we're gonna have tribulation in our life. And, And as that happens, because our hope is anchored in this, 
not anchored in God, that when that gets taken away, it disrupts everything in our life. Paul says when we have this kind of anchor, this kind of firm, steadfast, strong, trustworthy anchor for our souls, look what he says. He says it leads. Leads us, and I love this word, through. That it leads us through. And my guess is, is that there's probably some people that are here today that that you're right in the middle of the chaos in your life and you're wrestling with doubts and you're wrestling with the outcomes. And what God would be saying to you today is that if you will make your anchor in me, then I will lead you through. He's not gonna remove the chaos because the chaos is promised. But the promise is, is if we make him our anchor, he'll take us through. Anybody tired of hanging out in the chaos in your life? Anybody tired of hanging out in the pain of life? He says he's gonna take us through. And then I love this. He's gonna take us through the curtain. Now what is a curtain? A curtain is a separator. And my guess is that some of these blocks in your life that are shattered, that are falling apart, have become a separator in your life. They become a separator in your heart. You're trying to move forward, you're trying to do the right thing, but, but there's just this disconnect in your heart towards God. There's this disconnect in your heart towards your spouse or with your career, your future, whatever, there's this separator that's there. And the reason why there's a separator there is because your hope has shifted from the true anchor to the unstable and the temporary. The writer says that with this anchor, it's gonna lead you through the curtain, the separator, the things that keep you from what God has for you into the inner sanctuary, which is where his presence and his purpose reside. Friend, maybe you're here today, or maybe you're watching online, or maybe you're listening to the podcast And today you find yourself surrounded by all these shattered hopes and dreams. For in the temptation is to keep focusing on the pieces. But that ultimately robs us of hope and life. The solution is not to focus on the brokenness, but to focus on the Savior. So what do we do? Like, what do we do? Like, how do we we shift our focus on God away from all of this stuff? The answer is this. You gotta fill in the blank. You gotta fill in the blank. On the screen, I got a statement that I need to blank 
to keep my eyes on God. What's the blank, Ryan? Like, what, what, what are you trying to say? That's between you and the Lord. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know how some of these blocks are labeled in your life, but God does. And friend, the only way that we can become refocused on God is to reorient our lives. And so whatever you're walking through and whatever you're facing in this season, God has a step that requires faith and trust. It's a decision that we have to make to re-anchor our life, not on this stuff, but on him. I don't know what that is in your life, but I do know this. Is that if you'll invite him into this moment and give him permission to speak to your heart, that I believe today he will lay on your heart what needs to go in the blank. It's not the end of the road for your life, it's the beginning. It's what is the first step that you've got to take today towards God to put your focus back on him? Maybe for some of you, it's, it's committing to, to attend church every week. Maybe for some, it's reading the Bible every day. Maybe for some, it's, it's to trust him and whatever the situation is that you're walking through. Maybe, maybe for some, it's to forgive somebody in your life. Maybe for some, it's to invest in something bigger than yourself. To quit focusing on this stuff and to get a, become a part of the dream team and begin to use your gift to make a difference in the lives of others. Or maybe for some of you, it's to, it's to put your finances first. Put him first. Church, I don't know what it is. But I do know this. That you and I can't experience restoration in our life. we don't have Jesus as the foundation of our life. Would you bow your head with me today? Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, right now, in this moment, Lord, if we have put our faith and our hope and stuff, our faith and hope and things that are temporary, Lord, we ask you to forgive us. Lord, forgive us for taking our eyes off of you and assuming that if this relationship would get back together, our life would be fine. That if the car would come back or the house would come back or the marriage would be restored or whatever, that our life would be fine. Lord, forgive us. And Lord, today, friend, if that's you, just whisper just between you and the Lord. Say, Father, help me to refocus on you. Help me to refocus on you. And say this, Lord, what goes in the blank? Lord, what do you want in the blank? 
What's the, the next step that you have for me to be able to get out of the chaos, to put my eyes on you and to make you the foundation of my life again? Friend, I believe that he's speaking that to some of you today. And I wanna tell you from experience, don't let him speak it and not do it. The freedom, the transformation that God has for you is on the other side of our most difficult decisions. Have the faith and the courage to take a step towards whatever God lays on your heart. And I guarantee you that you'll begin to shift your eyes off of this and onto him. And it'll change your life. Every head bowed and eye closed. Maybe there's some of you here today. Maybe there's some of you here today that you have no hope. Like what Paul was talking about that that there is no hope in, in eternity because you've never accepted Christ into your life. Or maybe you're here today and you're one of those that Paul was talking about, the disobedient believers. Maybe you believe in God, but you know that your life has drifted far, far away. You know that your life is surrounded by more stuff of the world and flesh than producing the kind of fruit that only comes from God. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you today, I wanna to lead you in a prayer to come back to the Father, to back to a place where you make him your Lord and your Savior. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you, I'm not gonna ask you to come forward, but I wanna pray for you. Would you just slip up your hand right now wherever you're at? Yeah. 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 Church, would you say this with me? And if you raised your hand today, I want you to, I want you to say this just as a, a, a prayer between you and the Father. Say this out loud with us. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Forgive me for living life my way. Today, I choose to surrender to you. Come live inside of me and change me into the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.